Hey everybody, my name is Chris DeSantis. This is The Swim Brief, and I have to admit to you something. I lied. I told you that The Swim Brief was going on hiatus here as I am on vacation, as you'll be listening to this, but I felt a moment of sudden inspiration. And so here I am uh, recording this. I'll be recording this probably two weeks before you listen to it. Um, and um, uh, you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> For the fresh podcast content here in the doldrums of summer, I know a lot of my podcasts, uh, my favorite ones, seem to be on a bit of a hiatus, but um, I, I felt this moment of inspiration, some of the stuff that's coming up with my coaching here as I get down to uh, the last minute uh, before my trip to Denmark just uh, made me, I, I wanted to put it in the podcast because I think there's a couple themes that um, I've been thinking a lot about that I think uh, the podcast audience would benefit from. Um, and so the two themes that I want to discuss is I want to expand a little bit on the last uh, podcast that I had that was uh, with Joel and mainly uh, the piece of it that I want to expand on is some, some extra thoughts that I have about, you know, what creates the conditions where you can be brutally honest with people. And you can really tell them um, the honest truth. You can give them really good um, unfiltered feedback in a situation because I think that, um, you know, one of the misconceptions that uh, I receive as a, um, as a person engrossed in positive psychology is that, you know, what I'm all about is positive feedback, make people feel good, you know, only tell them nice things about themselves. Uh, I don't believe that that works coaching wise. I don't, I don't think, um, and that's if for those of you who have had some experience with me, um, as a coach, you know, that's not how I coach. Okay. So I do deliver, uh, information to people sometimes that, um, is really hard for them to hear. But there is a greater, like, I don't even think strategy is the right word, but there, there's, there's something that you have to have in place. There's a fundamental that you really have to have in place before you can get to that stage. And I think a lot of people are missing it in the coaching world. Um, and I want to get on my soapbox a little bit and talk about that. And then I also want to talk about the concept of a self-fulfilling prophecy in the context of some of the work that I do with athletes around um, this as a concept and some of the stuff that keeps coming up in coaching. Um, and one of the ways that I see to actually work through it. So let's, let's talk about um, though delivering like really on point, honest, sometimes emotionally um, hurtful feedback. I think that um, most of us that are coaching or have been coached, when you think of a relationship that was really good um, in either direction, one of the things you probably think about that relationship was, Hey, I was able to be real honest with that other person, you know, um, and they were honest with me. So 
I think a lot of people actually, one of the reasons why they have fond memories, for instance, of a, or one of the things that they attach to a coach that they have fond memories of, like, is that, is that that person was really honest with them Um, and sometimes told them things that were not, you know, that were really not what they wanted to hear. Right. But they told them what they needed to hear at various moments. And um, I think when, when we get real frustrated in a lot of moments, especially as coaches, you can say like, you can, you can boil things so simply down to like, things are not going well right now. And I, you know, I, I am delivering honest feedback to other people, but you know, they're basically what I'm hearing back is you're mean and lay off and, you know, um, and maybe worse than that, right? You're mean and you don't deserve to coach anymore. Um, and I just think that in order to get to the stage of a coaching relationship where you can deliver honest feedback to other people, you have to do a lot of work in building that relationship. Okay. People (laughs) in general, I don't think that they should just let any old person just come into their space and say things to them that um, can be potentially really upsetting or speak to them um, in kind of a rough way about something that they have a ton of emotional investment in. I think that that should be, uh, for most athletes, something that they reserve for somebody that they, that they trust. Okay. And I guess this is where I start to, um, again, get on, get on my soapbox with some of what I see happening in coaching is I think that so many coaches have been stretched to such a point that, and given so many other things to do besides the real work of coaching that they are not left with a lot of time for what's really important, which is relationship building with athletes. Okay. And if you have time for relationship building with athletes, then a whole new world of what's possible in terms of actually talking about sport topics. Okay. Opens itself up to you. Now, what do I see um, across the sports world? And I saw this in most of the coaching jobs I had. Um, I remember most notably when I was coaching in, in Denmark, um, you know, I started coaching there and I've told the story a number of times, but um, my wife was pregnant when I, when we moved there. Um, and so I had like a, a kid, you know, baby kid at home, almost from the word go in my coaching job there, um, especially the period in which I was a head coach. And 
you know, I felt such enormous pressure to both do my job well, um, but also be a, a good father, a good spouse, a good, um, a, just a stretched in so many different directions. And where did that lead me to? It led me to a lot of situations like, like the one I'm about to describe to you, which is practice would end. And I would be thinking, how quickly can I get out of here? Right. And it took me a lot of months before I realized that I was missing a crucial time period for relationship building with my athletes that like the, the, the time around the margins of practice were incredibly important. The half hour before practice, if there was somebody that was there that was hanging around 15 minutes before practice, the kids on their way out, just being able to talk to them. And I was really lucky in Denmark. Um, there's just a social tradition around sort of saying hello and goodbye. So I had multiple opportunities, like, like, whether I wanted them or not to actually like, you know, lean in to a kid and just be like, Hey, how's it going? You know? And, um, but <laughs> if I was running out of there, I didn't have that opportunity. And I say that not to shame anybody to say, well, you know, if you're not hanging around after practice, you're not doing your job well, because that's exactly the advice I did not need in that situation. What I think more is, um, we got to be thinking structurally about putting coaches in a place, in a place where they are not like rushing to practice and rushing out of practice, right? To the extent that you can create that in a workplace where your coach feels like they can give that time. I think it's absolutely worth it as an investment. And if you're somebody who's running your own team, thinking about how to set things up structurally so that you feel comfortable valuing that time or valuing stuff that has nothing to do with swimming that you might do with people that you coach outside of, you know, whatever time you've decided to devote to practices. And believe me, I understand that's not very easy. And there's probably a lot of people listening to this that are going like, well, that's just completely unrealistic. I just think it's something worth working towards in the sport because um, right now I see an environment where, um, and it's, you know, it's a million things that contributes. No one person that just contributes where, um, Coaches are overworked, they're overstressed, and that results in them not being really available for relationship building. Kids are overstressed and overworked, they're not really available for relationship building. And so that system that perpetuates in there is not really good for anybody. And when it's not really good for anybody, well, then that's an existential threat to what we do. <laughs> because the whole point of sports and these volunteer, like this is a voluntary activity. It's supposed to be good for the people that do it. Okay. It's supposed to be good for, for all of the people that do it. It's supposed to be, it's with the parents are supposed to be, they're paying money for their kids to be on some team. It's supposed to be a, 
a net positive for them. Okay. (laughs) The kids who are devoting however many hours voluntarily a week, supposed to be a net positive for them. And the coaches, none of whom are getting wealthy off of coaching the sport of swimming, it's supposed to be a net positive for them. And so to the extent that we have ever gotten anything set up or designed to not be that, then we ought to work on changing that. We ought to put in the effort to changing that because it's just not, um, it's, it's, it's just put us in a, a really bad direction. And it's not as somebody myself who loves the sport of swimming. And I love the sport of swimming, by the way, because <laughs> when I was coming up in the sport of swimming at several very important junctures, I had great relationships with other people, whether it be coaches, whether it be teammates, whether, and then when I became a coach, people that I coached, right? It's not, um, it's not about much more than that. Okay. Those are the things that most of us will carry with us well beyond, you know, what your best time in the 50 free is. And not that I still don't want to go best time in the 50 free. I still care about that stuff, but it doesn't have the same staying power as some of the rest of this. And so, um, you know, I, I think that if you are listening to this and you are looking at your own situation and you're thinking as a coach, if you're thinking like, I can't really be honest with the people around me and it's killing me because, you know, then I have to massage every point. Well, like, is that worth the effort or would you be better off reorganizing your effort to set up a system where people feel like you'd love them, you care about them, okay? And that when you say something that they need to hear, they can, they can take it, <laughs> okay? Um, that's, that's, that's my soapbox on that issue. I want to pivot to the second one and talk a bit about um, a famous... Like there's stuff in that uh, penetrates culture psychologically and it just gets in there and it's just lodged in. Um, and this is one that comes up so often in coaching. That is the concept of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'll, I'll tell you about it in the context of something um, that I end up doing in my coaching. Sometimes I tell people, you know, like, and you don't necessarily want to copy the technique because sort of what I'm talking about here is a bit of a, it's a bit of a high wire act, right? Um, but I always know that I have a net underneath. I've created a uh, metaphysical net underneath what I'm doing. Like I know how to, um, I know how to take people up on, on, uh, on that tightrope and I know how to make sure that they, um, they land safely should they fall off while we're having this conversation. But one of the things I ask people all the time, people that, you know, the, the sort of the presenting thing that they'll come in very often is um, it'd be athletes. And they'll say, you know, like, I, I just know I'm not racing up to my potential and I'm psyching myself out or I'm real anxious about, 
racing or, you know, I just, I'm just so hard on myself. I'm so tough, you know, negative thinking and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all variations of the same thing. One of the things I asked them to do is actually, I, Hey, I want you to imagine like they're, they're, thinking, they're thinking about that next competition that really matters them. I want you to imagine it going as bad as possible. Most people haven't been asked to do that. And one of the reasons why is because of this sort of like lodged in idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy. The idea that basically goes, if you think about something, it is more likely to happen. And I talked about this really passionately recently on a podcast when I was talking about visualization, right? The idea that visualization, we do get the opportunity to practice something ahead of time before we've ever done it in our lives. And that actually can help us to prepare. So like anything I'm about to say, understand that I actually agree with the premise of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. I do believe that thinking about the worst possible outcome, the more that you do that, the more likely it is to happen. So why on earth do I ask people to do it? I'll tell you why. Because most people's strategy when they hear that, this it's totally normal strategy. When they hear, okay, well, the key is to not think about that thing. What do they try to do? They try to avoid thinking about that thing. My experience Avoiding thinking about something is a recipe for thinking about it more. That is what will result from that. So I ask people in a safe space to actually think it through and say it out loud. Okay. What do you imagine? What, what gives you that pang of fear in your heart when you think about this thing? That's upcoming because when they are done doing that, they will think about it less because they inside their subconscious, right? Those, those triggers, right? Where you, when your brain tries to make you afraid of something, for example, what it really is, is you've kind of got a subconscious piece that goes like, Hey, we really care about the swimming. Like what if it goes bad? And you go, no, 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 I don't want to think about that, right? And then your brain goes like, what What do you mean you don't want to think about it? What are we going to do? What's the plan if things go bad? You go, no, 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 don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. We're not thinking about it because then it's more likely to happen. It'll keep bringing it up. When you actually give your mind a chance to think something through, then when that process initiates, what you can do more often than not is actually set up a trigger where your brain tries to get you thinking about that outcome and you go, already thought about it. Here's what we're going to do. And then you're done. Okay. You're not swirling around and still like trying to come up with a plan. You've thought about it. You've thought about the worst outcome, the scariest thing that could possibly happen, and you know what you're going to do. And you do not have to 
keep triggering that alert system because you're done. You're done thinking about it. Um, and so I can't tell you how many times I run into this in coaching where people are reticent to answer that question because they think, oh no, you know, if I say this stuff out loud, <laughs> um, you know, if I say, this is an old dated reference, but if I say Beetlejuice three times, then Beetlejuice will appear, right? If I, if I say, you know, what my worst fear is, then it's definitely going to happen. No, if you think about it obsessively, it is more likely to happen. And the best way to think about it more obsessively is to pretend that it doesn't exist. Your brain does not accept that. Your brain does not accept it is, it is designed to keep you alive. It's designed for survival. It does not accept we're just not going to think about that outcome, especially when you really care because it's anticipating part of what it's trying to prepare for is you really care about this. You will be really upset if it doesn't go bad. And we need to plan for that. So I invite athletes way ahead of time to start to build up the infrastructure in their own mind to the point where they can then, instead of trying to avoid it and giving it um, more energy to swirl, they can actually answer that call okay, and find some peace ahead of time and, and people have a really hard time with this. Um, but I just thought I would put my point out there because I think that, you know, like a lot of people understand the concept of a self-fulfilling prophecy very, very well, <laughs> right? They understand the mechanism there, but they don't understand like what you can do with that mechanism or how you actually respond to it. Um, so I'm giving that one away for free. Um, like I said, Think a bit about it. You know, you want to be able to, um, it's a scary conversation to have with people. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, you have to be ready to hear <laughs> some, sometimes some pretty tough stuff on the other end. And, um, but ultimately, I think that uh, just avoiding getting to, you know, uh, what what your sort of worst fear for how things are going to play out. And it, do, it does not have the intended effect that I think a lot of people think it does. Um, that's it for my here, my vacation ends and ends, odds and ends podcast, I should say. Thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you for accepting me, even though I was dishonest about my uh, ability to put up a podcast here in the middle. Um, I'll be back again, uh, hopefully with somebody else on here talking to me as well, uh, on the other end of this vacation. I hope you guys are all getting a little bit of time off, um, before we get into another season. And, um, my last plug is I will say swimbriefpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions, if you have comments, you want to reach out to me, um, you're a listener of the podcast. I love to hear from people. They'll say, if you just want to write me a nice note. I mean, I won't say no to a nice note. Just write me a nice note and say like, hey, Chris, I listened to the podcast. Every single person that does that, I can tell you, makes me feel so good. And um, it's always warmly received. 
I'm not so uh, I'm not nearly so famous that I'm not that I'm annoyed by people um, reaching out. So um, thank you to everybody for listening and I'll see you guys again soon.